what, let's get up on our feet one time. Let's just give God a praise and just thank him for what he's doing in us, through us, for us, amongst us, by us. God, we magnify you, glorify you. We exalt you in this place. Thank you, Father. Amen. Let, let, let's, while you're standing, let's just pray over the night and appreciate everybody showing up. And, uh, but let's just open our hearts and our minds and get ready to receive information that will position us to win. Amen. So, Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to just come be family. We thank you, Lord, that you have a purpose and a plan for our lives and that you're using our lives to elevate the status of others. God, we just pray that our hearts would be open and that, Lord, places in our heart that need to be healed and restored, that that would happen, that our minds would be sharp and alert, that we'd be able to receive information without hindrance. And uh, Lord, we just thank you that uh, in, in every situation here in the room, in every individual's life, in every family, there's things that can be uh, a distraction. And God, we just put those things in your hand because we know that all things are going to work together for our good. God, we just release that to you, and we just rivet our attention on you now. God, we just thank you that you're using us in a way that's going to make a difference in the lives of many, and we're going to give you the glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. Give somebody a knuckle bump, and you can be seated. And uh, uh, not going to take a whole lot of time tonight before we just release the dogs. But uh, uh, tonight, after, after this session, um, Bob's got a little book and it's at the information center, and there's like seven or eight copies, and, uh, and, and they're like five bucks a piece, but, but guess what? Tonight, they're already paid for, so the first seven or eight people to go there afterwards, okay, they will not release them early, but afterwards, first seven or eight will get that, and then there's going to be some other printed materials, handouts. There's so much information on this topic that there's no way to present it in, in one setting that, well, you could, but we would, you know, we... Yeah, we're, we're not good enough to take it. But uh, uh, just, just realize that, um, you know, God is going to use us just as churches, as individuals, uh, as families. He's going to use us to, to spread the love of God everywhere we go. And, and that's to everybody. It's to everybody. Everybody matters to God. And I don't know if you've ever stopped and thought about it, but that's really a good deal that everybody matters to God, which means so do you. And, you, you know, and I, I just feel led to say this, too, that, uh, uh, you know, the topic and the subject, you know, he, he's going to handle that, and it's going to be awesome. But some of you guys, uh, you might have situations in your life right now that you, you need God to move. Yeah. And uh, you, you, need, you need divine intervention in an area of your life. And I, and I just want you to know, I, I really believe Luke 5, where it says that... Uh, it occurred as they pressed upon Jesus to hear the message of God. It occurred that things that you are dealing with will be handled by God as you press in to hear God. And that he's going to perform miracles in our lives in ways that just blow our mind. Amen? Sometimes just pressing in to hear God. And, and while, we, while we stay busy just trying to hear him, he gets busy doing all kinds of stuff that we couldn't ever dream of, think of, imagine, come up with on our own. Am, am I right, Sean? You know, he'll, he'll get you a house if you need a house. He'll do whatever you need, whatever needs done. God, God will work on your behalf, and you can trust him for that. Amen? And, and I, I, I want to acknowledge a couple of people before I introduce Bob. But uh, it's great. You know, there's a great church in Finley, and uh, the McGoys are here. And I, I want them to stand up. Where'd you go? Doug and Sharon and, and, and hey bro, 
and uh, give them a hand. Stand up. These guys are awesome. And been, been part of our family for a long, long time. And I, I can't remember, you know, when we first met. That's how long ago it was. We didn't have kids. I, yeah, but I, were Shelby and I even married yet? No, and, and Bob and Jeannie ran around with my mom and dad and did all kinds of uh, ministry things together. My dad went to the Philippines a long, long time ago with, with Bob and Jeannie, and, and uh, I was there. You know what was cool in the Philippines? Because back in the day, back in the day, Bob was the spitting image of Burt Reynolds. <laughs> and so to be in a third, well, hey, even today, you know, if we put you side by side, you're still pretty close, dude. But, but, uh, uh, back in the day, it, it, was, it was nuts. And it was, it, it was crazy to be in a third world country with, with a world famous individual. Because everywhere we went, we drew insane crowds. And uh, they asked for autographs and everything. It was awesome. But it's, it's, a, it's a joy and a privilege to have the opportunity to uh, just to be with them, to share them with you. And, and uh, you know, we were having conversation just not too long ago about this topic. And it just opened up and said, you know, hey, let's, let's learn some stuff. And let's get prepared uh, to bring in a harvest, to be a part of what God's doing. And uh, what, what some of the things occurring in, in, our, in, in our culture can't be ignored. And, you know, we, we have to address some issues. And he's going to give us information to help us better do that. And, man, I'm glad you're here. Would you just welcome them to the platform tonight, Bob Strobel? Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. He can be seated. I was going to have you stay standing and sing because you look so good, but no, just sing a song or something. Huh? Yeah, and keep clapping. <laughs> uh, it really is a joy to be here tonight with uh, Pastor Tom, this church, and then the church in Finland. How many, now, by the way, how many pastors are there? Are there pastors here tonight? Besides, you know, I know Doug and, Karen, Doug and Karen and Steve and Terry, Tom, Shelby. Is there other other pastors here? Just, uh, uh, just so okay. All right. Uh, so grateful that you're here tonight. I consider it a, a great privilege, and as Tom said, we've known each other a long time. And um, there's so, so many things to say about God, but one of the things that I want to just draw attention to kind of is in the line of where, what Tom was talking about is that a scripture that came to me early at the beginning of the year that, that I continue to... Uh, or it continues to speak to me, and it speaks to what Tom was saying tonight. There's a scripture in Job in the fifth chapter, ninth verse, and in the Message Bible it says it like this, God is famous for great and unexpected acts, and there's no end to his surprises. And so I say that partially to lead into what, I wanted, uh, what I'm here to talk about tonight, and that is that, um, you know, my wife and I, Jeannie, went to the Philippines for the first time in 1983, so it's been 34 years. And in that first year was when we became aware of Islam. I actually had ministered at the Walla Walla State Penitentiary uh, for two and a half years and heard about Muslims in the back 
uh, cursing us, but I knew nothing about them. They could have, it could have been any religion. I didn't know anything about it until we got to the Philippines. I, also, I still didn't know anything about them until I came back that year, before the Internet. And, uh, and it was, it was so, such a strange bunch that I went and began to look at it. And I found out when I went to the library, we were pastoring in Terry, Montana at the time, went to this little city library and looked around and found out that there's 1.6 billion Muslims in the world. Then when I began to investigate their beliefs, I recognized that it was just the exact opposite of Christianity where they replaced uh, Jehovah with Allah, replaced uh, Jesus with Muhammad, and replaced the Holy Spirit with the sword. And, uh, and, but the thought that occurred to me that has been a part of me ever since is that I recognized that there wasn't any way that God was going to leave a billion six, one billion six hundred million people without a visitation. Now, I want to also preface what I want to say tonight by giving honor to all of those thousands of uh, God's people who have been ministering into the Islamic world long before I ever became aware of, of, of it, that are presently all over the world in far more dangerous positions and crucial realms than I'm in. And I, I give honor to all of them, without which we couldn't be where we are today. But I'm confident that, and my emphasis tonight is to bring attention to the visitation of the, visit, the, visitation of the Lord into their realm, and recognition that harvest is harvest time for Islam. Islam was created by my uh, Muhammad in 600 something, 23 or something like that. He had a 23 year visitation by a demonic spirit. He called him Gabriel, but we absolutely know he was not Gabriel. And then he began to spread his message around in Mecca, got a few converts only, got kind of escorted out of Mecca, went to Medina, got into politics, got escorted out of there, went back to Mecca, gathered them together and went to war. Before he died, he fought at least 66 wars, personally beheaded 700 Jews. That's the author of that religion that we're talking about tonight and today whether so in Iraq or wherever, sat there doing exactly the same things they were doing then. Nothing has changed. But I wanted to, I want to bring out uh, the reality that that was born into the earth when the church was asleep. The church uh, had already made uh, the deal with uh, Constantine and was uh, for 200 years it had been in decrease, the Arabs despised, excuse me, the Jews despised the Arabs, the Christians had forgotten them, and in that vacuum, Islam was created. And once it was created, immediately, 23, he had a 23-year visitation from this, from this demonic force. And then it took 23 years until the Muslims gathered together and formed the religion as we know it today. And then they went north conquering Africa, Con literally conquering the continent of Africa. And everywhere there were Christians, they either subjugated them or killed them, all the way through Africa until they got to the Battle of Tours in France going into Europe. Europe was in the Dark Ages, and yet 
Charles Martel, they called him the battle axe, was able to pull together a, a very inferior army to Rahman, who was coming up with this. I don't remember how big the force was that he had, but it was just like almost a miraculous victory. They, they got, Muslims got stopped in the Battle of Tours in France. As a result, they spread eastward, ending up into the Philippines by around the year, 18, by, by around the year 800. And they have made uh, several different, they made several different attempts during the, uh, from 700 until uh, 1900 or whatever, to take uh, Europe by force. It, none of it worked. Now we recognize today that they're taking it over by immigration. And uh, in 2004, I met a, a man in the Philippines by the name of Tashir Abu Sa'ada. He was a 19-year-old uh, warrior for Arafat and came to the States. And when he was about 35 or 6 years old, he had a dramatic conversion to Jesus. And when I met him in 2004, he, he, was, it, he came to the Philippines to minister to ex-Muslims there. And because he'd been to Mecca 10 times, among the Muslims in the Philippines, he had free access into the mosques and he preached boldly the name of Jesus. It was just wonderful to be around him. And he was speaking, he'd just been back from Europe and he was speaking of what a dilemma that they had because their population of Muslims was at least 10% or more. Now, that was in 2004, we're in 2016. Now in these last 12 years, I, there's no way that you and I can comprehend the kind of a problem they've got there. So those are the problems, and we see that, and, and, uh, that Islam, you know, our, uh, I've got to be careful about my words here, our uh, illustrious leader of the nation right now, um, made a statement in 2009, right after he became president, that Islam has always been a part of American history. How many ever heard him, you heard him say that? Uh, you know, I, when he said that, I thought, he doesn't even know what he's talking about. And then I found out that they do. Every single bit of it negative. <laughs> From the beginning until now. With that said, that is Islam's strategy. And I want to mention this as I approach this subject tonight, that in the 80s, there was a Muslim cleric gathering together, a bunch of them in Europe, and there where they were strategizing how to uh, subject the world to Allah, and their focus was on the United States of America. And I don't remember the year that they targeted. This was in the 80s. And they were targeting, I don't know, how many have ever heard of the Lausanne 2000 movement that just started? And out of that was created the 1040 window concept, which brought attention to the Islamic world. And I don't remember whether they had the 2000 as a target to uh, make America a Muslim nation or not. Obviously, they have failed, thank the Lord. And obviously, also, Luzon 2000 failed to evangelize the world by 2000. However, his statement to those that he gathered together about their strategizing, and, and uh, he said, this was his statement, he said, we have the money to do it, talking about, talking about uh, making, making America a Muslim nation and ultimately subjecting the world to Allah. We have the money to do it. Now, their money came from oil. Oil was discovered in in uh, Saudi Arabia in 1938. All this has taken place since then. We have the money to do it, he said. We have the people to do it, 
And not only that, we're already doing it. Meanwhile, especially as far as the American church is concerned, but definitely throughout the rest of, most of the rest of the world, the church was asleep to the strategies that were being developed by them. But I would like to bring attention <clears throat> now to this, to this reality. Our commander-in-chief, the Lord of the Harvest, has a strategy. And he is in the heavens saying this, I have the resources to do this. I have the people to do this. And as a matter of fact, I'm already doing it. Hallelujah. Because if that was not the case, as it, 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 at this present time, it really in many ways seems like the church in America is way behind. Way behind. And from my perspective, it's way behind. But we need to continue to endeavor to see things from God's perspective, not from our limited view. And from God's perspective, I believe the harvest time is ripe. And I do believe that God knows those that are his. And, I, and as Pastor Tom was saying tonight, we are, I will use the word, we are, we are God's resource. Every single one of us, as Tom was saying, is uh, full of purpose, in the Lord. Every one of us is not only worth something to the Lord, but we are a resource that God has created from the time that you were born again, even going further than that from the time that you were born. The Holy Spirit's been watching over your lives, each one of us, looking for the opportunity to present Jesus, and he did, or we, I, we wouldn't be here tonight. And from that point on, he's been imparting things into our spirit some of it we're aware of, but many things that we're not aware of. When he looks at us, he's looking at a resource that we can't even really imagine. And while the church has been asleep in many realms, God can awaken. And he is in the process of doing that. Now, in the limited time that I'm going to have tonight, I'm not going to, and I want to, but I want to, I want to um, uh, let you know tonight that while I have been brooding over this, what I call brooding over this vision to bring the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Islamic world, knowing that there's going to be a majestic visitation into the Islamic world like the world has never seen. And it's, al it's already, now, it's not something that's going to happen. It's already happening but what's happening today is even is small in comparison to what he's going to be doing. So for all of you and I who are, have been chosen by the Lord at this time, this is 2016, and this is our time. We weren't born in 1016 or 16 or some other time. This is our time. And you are a resource that God has prepared for this time. And I will just, I know that it's without uh, uh, controversy that... Uh, that the Lord knows a whole lot more about what we're prepared for than we do. And whether we have much interest in this or whether we don't, uh, it makes a difference. I was going to say it doesn't make a difference. It makes a difference. But the difference that it makes is where we're going to, how we're going to join alongside of him. Recognizing tonight that while Islam is on the heart of God, and it is harvest time for the, 
Islamic world. That doesn't leave out the Hindu and the Buddhist and all of the other isms or whatever they are in the world. He's at work on all of them at the same time. I'd like to remind us tonight that the Holy Spirit is brooding over every single individual on this planet, all seven plus billion of his people. Amen. The Holy Spirit is looking for opportunity to bring the message of his son. And the avenue that he's chosen, the messenger that he's chosen is you and I, the church. The angels have their domain that God has given them, and they've and they have been and they've been sent to equip us to do the work. So first of all, I just like to I hope you can grasp the reality that if we can get a hold of it, we're we are on the we are on the threshold of coming into the greatest. Uh, there isn't revival because we're not reviving anything in the Islamic world. Amen. But it's an impartation into the Islamic world that has never been seen before. So I, 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 I'm asking the Lord tonight for him to open up the eyes of our understanding to see this. I, I, have, I, I absolutely do not consider myself an expert on the subject, except that I've brooded over it and studied it and researched it and been involved with it for 34 years. So in one sense, with most people, that makes me an expert. But I, I'm hoping tonight there's lots of people in here that have a lot more understanding than I do. But all I have to share with you tonight is a perspective that God has given me that will find some will find some kind of a niche wherever you are. And I believe I can say this without fear of controversy that because of what you're going to hear tonight, because of a perspective that the Lord has given me, you won't be able to be the same after you leave here because Islam is in the news every day. Now you may not agree with my perspective. That's all right. Paul said, uh, you, uh, you, uh, um, how did he say it? You consider what I have to say, but it is the Lord who gives you understanding. And just like whether we come, anytime we come to church, whatever we receive, whatever we receive, if you don't go away and meditate on those things and consider those things, then it's not going to become a part. You hear it, it just will fly away. Amen. But one of the things that God has going for him concerning this subject is it just will keep hammering you as you open up the newspapers, as you hear about it on TV, as they are infiltrating the area. We're not getting away from it. And God has brought him front and center. And I, and I, I was talking with Pastor Tom Malone in, Al, in Amarillo, Texas. And, you know, I don't, I don't know how many of you are familiar with Amarillo, Texas, but Emerald, Texas has about 200,000 people in it. And in the last two years ago, I discovered that the Somalians have taken over a particular part of Emerald, Texas. Now to the point that they're even trying to create their own law and things like that in a portion of Amarillo. And I found out from Pastor Tom Malone, I, I don't know that these statistics are right, Tom, but he said that Amarillo, Texas is being sent more refugees than any other city in the country. Only 200,000 people there. I just found out last Thursday night, which was very alarming to me, actually. We were in Scappoos, and a small meeting my daughters put together there, and it was a woman from, from Vernonia. Vernonia is about 15 or 20 miles up the canyon from Scappoos. 2,000 people. There are 14, from what I've just pretty discovered pretty much, 14 dead churches there. 
And I, and I found out that just recently, Muslims have come in there and bought a convenience store and a whole plot of ground, and the owner didn't want to sell, but they offered such an exorbitant amount of money, they, they sold. That's part of their strategy. They're, they're, they're here, and they're coming. I told Tom Malone, I said, and here's the thing, I hope you can hear this tonight. I know this church is a church that uh, is on fire and loves the Lord and is involved with him. And I hope that you can uh, hear tonight, hear this tonight. As there's, there's two ways we can look at the Muslims that are coming into this country. Since 9-11, at the time of 9-11, there were just barely over one half of percent of the, of the American population was Islam. Today there's at least a percentage and a half, which is a 300% increase since 9-11. Now, lots of people think it's more than that, and I don't doubt it. And you, I, don't know, I don't know how, well, I do know a little bit about this area. I know you're seeing the evidence of them all the time. Now, we can look at that two ways. Either they're, either they're uninvited guests that we would just like to leave, just get out of our hair, or God is sending them to receive the love of Jesus. Now, from an Islamic perspective, their strategy is to come in and penetrate us, not the other way around. They don't come to America to assimilate. They do not come to America to assimilate. They come ultimately to take over. And I'm not talking about just the radicals. I'm talking about every Muslim. They're, most of them, thank God, are not aggressive. They're not radical. They're not going to blow anybody up, including themselves. But they all believe the world must be subjected to Allah. And so they're not going to assimilate into the country. So, as I was telling Pastor Tom Malone, it's a sad state of affairs that they have come with the strategy of penetrating us, and the church doesn't have a strategy to penetrate them when they come, because you don't have to go to Somalia. How many of you like to have to go to Somalia to evangelize? Or some of the other places in America, but they're in the world, but they're here. Now, why can't we as a people? And one of the things that I hope comes out of this time together is that there will be those that will pick, pick up the desire and will get together and begin to have some kind of a, a regular time of prayer to come into a realm of the Spirit to get our commander-in-chief strategy for what he wants to do here to penetrate them and not the other way around. First year that I was in the Philippines, the little church that we, that, well, it wasn't a little church, but I mean the little town that we were in, had already been burned twice by Muslims. And I, and I noticed Muslims didn't know what they were from anybody, but I asked the pastor, I said, are, because I noticed them, and I said, are, are you uh, reaching out to them? Is there some kind of a uh, um, plan that you have? And he says, no, they weren't in that little town. They, in that, and, and, and I'm talking about a, 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 a live Pentecostal, a bunch of people, and by the third year that we went back there, some of their daughters had been married, got married to Muslim men, young men. Some of the some of the young ladies that were in our in our young people's group that we were ministering to in 1983 were now married to Muslim men. That's their strategy. So here's the Muslim strategy taking over the church. It isn't supposed to be that way. I mean, well, it's not supposed to be that way. Huh? It's not supposed to be that way here either. 
Now, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not the sword. But like has been said so often in the Philippines, we are either going to go after them with the sword of God's Spirit in love, or they're going to come after us with the sword of the flesh. There is no common ground. And so tonight, is just, I just explored those kind of thoughts with you. And, I, and Tom already mentioned, I've, I've got some, a bunch of information, if you're interested, that is just things that I've written from my perspective. And also there's one very important document there that I would suggest that you all get. It's not written by me. Years ago it came out about the effect that Islam has on a nation according to the percentages that they are of the population. You will, you will discover as you look at that how well thought out it is and how real it is even after all these years what is happening. So, it's, it, so some of this is going to be educational to you, but most of it is just going to be uh, uh, a glimpse of the perspective that I have considering that I believe that this is the time for harvest. My, my effort tonight isn't going to be on doing anything more about the radical part that's uh, uh, bringing disaster and what to do about that, nor very much or hardly any about our individual ability to evangelize them. But God has a strategy to do that in every area through each one of us according to the way that he works with us. We have to have an open heart. Amen? With the emphasis on the harvest. So would you just bow with me tonight before the Lord and as we think about just the, the, the foundation of this tonight and just allow him to uh, have his way. My Father, we, uh, <clears throat> we've come here tonight to explore this uh, phenomena that is in the world and that we cannot ignore. And now, Lord, it is our desire, Father. I know that it is your desire to impart into each one, as has been said, each one of us in this place is a precious resource to you. And of all the other things that each one of us is involved in in this place, there is a segment of that that you desire to speak into so that they can be harvesters in this time. So I ask you to open up the eyes of our understanding, Lord, and enlighten us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. <laughs> now, number, I'd like us to open to a scripture in, um, you know, the time's going to go really fast. I'm going to just glance, all I can do is glance over these four uh, points that I want to make with you tonight. Number one, number one, and part of it's already been said, we have to have, as God's people, a vision for the harvest. If we don't have a vision for the harvest, how will you ever have any kind of, in, of, uh, in, of initiative to become a part of it, right? Uh, look at, let's look at a very familiar scripture in Matthew in the 28th chapter. I'm going to, I'm going to look at just only three scriptures here tonight to just uh, lay this foundation because the most important thing of where we're at today, I don't know if some of you are heavily involved in and are, are doing many things in Islam, how much interest your time has, your, your, the time has been up until now, doesn't make any difference. I, might, I want to mention that I talked to somebody here from the GLOW, uh, from the GLOW in January. I, I spoke twice, uh, in, once in Fialup and once in uh, Tacoma to the GLOW because the GLOW within their organization has uh, 
a heart for finding out how to minister into the Islamic world. So I'm grateful for you being here tonight and recognize that there are many, 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 thank God, who have a vision for this. Now, in Matthew, in the, um, in the 28th chapter, we're all uh, familiar with this. I'm not going to preach about it, but I want to bring attention to the reality we're, because we're talking about Jesus as the <clears throat> Lord of the harvest, as the one who has the authority, amen, that is above all other authorities. And he is the one who is saying, I have the resources to do it, and you're the resource. And this is what he's saying to the disciples as they gathered together after he was resurrected. And they worshipped him, by the way. They said, the Bible says they worshipped him. These 11, how about that? They gathered together on this mountain at an appointed time and they worshipped him. <laughs> they worshipped him. Well, why not? Amen, they worshipped him. However, it says some doubted. And just like, just like you and I are here tonight, there's no, way, there's no way in my view that they were doubting Jesus. But they were born again now, not like before. The Holy Spirit had been working on them. These things that Jesus had said had come to pass. They, he had said, you're going to go and do greater things. It's better for me that I go away, and you're going to do greater things than me. And some of them doubted that because the enemy had been working on them, just like on you, and how are we going to be able to do it? Amen? And for the first time, this is one I just want to emphasize here tonight. For the first time, instead of Jesus, as he was walking with his disciples, and before he would chastise them, he said, how long do I have to be with you? When you why can't you see these things? Here, of all times that they should have been able to see, and by the way, I believe they were seeing it, and I believe that's what they, why they were doubting. And instead of chiding them, instead of chastising them, he stood up in, in their midst and prophesied. Come on. And what did he say? Verse, 20, verse 15. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. If he's given all authority, how much is left? There is not anything left. Islam has zero authority. It's usurped authority. Amen? Jesus has the authority, and he's speaking to you wherever you are, the resource that you are, however small or big you might feel. Amen? It is the Holy Spirit in you that is the power. And he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And then he said this, go. If you could focus for a moment with me on those that are just coming into the Tri-City area or wherever you're from. I'm talking about the Muslims again. And hear the word tonight from our commander-in-chief saying, go, find my strategy and find a way to penetrate them. Is that all right? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that as I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Second scripture, very common one back in also in Matthew in the 24th chapter, I want to read to us tonight. He said, and you may, you may and I hope you do know this one by heart, it says that, it says in Matthew 24, 14, if I can find it here, 24, 14, it says that the gospel of this kingdom, verse 14 says, the gospel of this kingdom will be preached in all, how much of the world? All of the world as a witness to all, notice what, notice what will be preached, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world, 
as a witness to how many nations? All nations, and then the end will come. Now, will you do something with me tonight? Will you, I, I told you to focus on a little bit or have you, try to open up our eyes to, to the harvest that's coming even into the Tri-City area, wherever it's coming into this country. But let's, let's skip over a few thousand miles over to Saudi Arabia. Let's get Saudi Arabia on our focus for a moment. Considered the most holy land by the Muslims. That's where it all began. It is, Saudi Arabia is the darkest place on the planet. Our, our ministry is mostly in the Philippines. It isn't all in the Philippines, but one million Filipinos working in Saudi Arabia. The dynamic of the Philippines is about 80% of them are Catholic, about at least 10% are born again. And as it is in the body of Christ, out of all those who are born again, about 10% are serious about Jesus. That means there's 10,000 Filipinos who are serious about Jesus in Saudi Arabia, meeting in secret all over that nation. In 1991, when America kicked Saddam Hussein out of Kuwait, first time the West ever, first time, 1991, first time the West ever penetrated the Islamic world. And they went into the holiest place of Islam with 500,000 GIs. They were told not to take Bibles, but they did. Not very many people realize it, but 2002 I was in United Arab Emirates in Al Ain. And one of the, the head of that mission there, I can't remember his, whether it was, uh, I can't remember the name of the mission, but he had just, re- got, he had just got out of jail in Saudi under suspicion of distributing the Jesus film and some of the thousands of Bibles that were left behind by American troops. First time since Islam started that there was a penetration by the West and by the word of God into the most holy place of Islam. I like to say most unholy place, but nevertheless, I just want you to know that God's at work. Now, can you picture, if we can consider this, I'm talking about having a view for the harvest, to believe that God is going to do it, recognizing that he's going to do it through people, wondering how he's going to do it through me, what is going to be my part. That's the theme that I'm trying to broadcast to you. But let's just, let's, let's jump ahead to, or think about the scripture in Ephesians 4, that you are preached here, I know. You understand, it says, the Bible says this, it says, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. For what? For the equip the saints, for the work of the ministry, until what? Until we come to the fullness of the stature of the manhood of Jesus Christ. Is that what the Bible says? Does that include Saudi Arabia? Or is it excluded? Does that include China? Or is it excluded? When Jesus said... I'm going to build my church. He said, except, except for when that Islam gets so bad, I'm just going to have to vacate the place. No, he's going to infiltrate Saudi Arabia. So I want to, make, I want to prophesy to you tonight that the time is going to come in Saudi Arabia that there is going to be a freedom for the, a free flow of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers not just with big-time evangelical events, little small churches. Everything that's happening in America or any place else in the world where the gospel is free is going to happen in that land. 
God is in the process of setting the Islamic world free. And it's a dirty, ugly process that's going on right now. But he has one thing in mind. I'm talking about our father has one thing in mind. And Islam is not too big for him. And there are multitudes of Christians who have said since 9-11 that the Middle East has always been that way and it's always going to be that Like Christians have said, you've heard it. Well, there couldn't be a bigger lie. You'd have to believe that Jesus didn't mean what he said to make that kind of a statement if you think about it because he's going to do it. Now, I recognize I'm not going to see that in my lifetime well, unless I live a long time. But it's going to happen. How many believe it's going to happen? Can you, do you believe that tonight? Because here's, this is the most crucial thing about this night is, the, is that we actually come into a place of believing amen, in the Lord of the harvest. That regardless of what we see, and we're going to see plenty, and there's going to be reversals, and it's going to look like it could never happen. Amen? But I want you to hear the Holy Spirit. I want you to hear Jesus saying, I have the resources to do this. I have the people to do this. And not only that, I'm going to do it. And not only that, I'm going to complete it. Can we agree with that tonight? Raise your hands up and say, Father, I agree with you. In the name of Jesus. All right. Secondly, or that even, I already, already moved into this part of the fact that in order for there to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers moving freely about the Islamic world, there has to be physical freedom. There has to be physical freedom. Do you know why, why we're free today in America? Why are we free today? Because we fought to be free. Physically. In Romans 13, the Bible says that he raised up governments of men to punish evildoers. Multitudes of Christians are wimps when it comes to war. Pacifists. Let it just take care of itself. Let me tell you something. If things get to take care of themselves, it goes the evil way and not God's way. Good things happen on purpose. Bad things happen by accident or when people are asleep or drunk. And I don't care if you're drunk on religion or whatever it is. God wants us to awaken, awake to righteousness and stop sinning. One translation of that says, awake from the drunkenness of past religious tradition, amen, and stop sinning. You've got to get with it. And one of the things that has to happen, and in these, you watch in these next years, we're going to see it. Because Islam is penetrating, infiltrating, and they're not the only one in the world, but a, a battle plan, a strategy has to be raised up physically in this nation. The United States has been raised up by the Lord to provide physical freedom, to be a, to be a major part of providing, providing physical freedom for every nation on this planet. And if you and I don't come alongside of him in that, we are not, amen, walking with him. In that regard. Are you understanding what I'm saying? War is hell. But unless we fight the battle, amen, it will be worse. Hell will take over. We're not speaking Japan today or German, amen, because there was free because people set us free. Amen. And so I so that's a, that is the second part of what I want to just and if you could if you don't agree with me, I was going to say it's all right, but no, it's not all right. If you don't agree with me, go to God. Find out what his answer is on it. 
You don't have to take it from me. Take, you know, take it from me. Matter of fact, don't take it from me. Hear what I got to say. But find out yourself from God. Is it all right? Is it all right with God if, God's, if people in the world are enslaved? Is it all right if, uh, in God's view that, that people are completely helpless as you watch the things that are happening in the world? Is that all right in God's eyes? No, it's not all right. Here in this place, if you, we know as we're walking with God, if you see somebody's got a problem and you have the ability to fix it, it's a sin not to. Isn't it? Because we're his people raised up to do something. So we've got to get alongside the government of this United States and demand them to take their position. Because when America doesn't take its position to provide freedom in the world, we are in trouble. That's one of the reasons we're get, getting in trouble. But I'm telling you tonight, God's making a shift. There's a shift going on, has gone on in the heavens, and things are going to turn around. Things are going to turn around, not, not because we deserve it. I'll guarantee you that. Not because of that, because of, but because of the purpose of God that was the establishment of this nation. There's two nations in the world that were formed sovereignly by the Spirit of the Lord. Israel, out of one man's family, and the United States of America, that is the composite of every family of, on, the, on the planet. Every blood on the planet, amen, God has brought together in this nation to demonstrate his gathering, but to provide a, provide a place of freedom in the world. You know, just let that soak down into your spirit when you hear the different things that politicians are saying and whether we're going to be a, a pacifist in this or whether we're going to get involved and do something about it, whether we're going to lead from behind or whether we're going to lead. Come on, it's God's people who are called by mine. If they'll, my name, if they'll humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways. What wicked ways are we talking about tonight? We're talking about wicked ways of not believing him and getting involved. That's wicked in the eyes of the Lord. It isn't just some of those sinful things that some people might call sin. It's, it's, it's wicked for us not, amen, to join alongside of him. Isn't it? And he said, I'll heal their land. Amen. So the third, the... Um, the next part about the next part I want to bring you to you tonight is the most exciting part because it's something that God has been doing, is doing, and is going to continue in an absolutely dramatic way. And that is, uh, he is, he has put his sickle into the harvest. I was going to read you that scripture out of Revelation in the 14th chapter, in the, I think starting with the 30-something verse or what it says, he's putting his sickle to, to reap. As I said before tonight, Islam started in 600 and by 727 had conquered most of, this, most of Africa and then got stopped in the Battle of Tours and swept eastward and began to take over Asia, ending up as far as uh, the Philippines, around 800. And um, physical battles were fought, and I'd like to talk to you a little bit about of them tonight, but I just since I mentioned uh, Charles Martel and the Battle of Tours, I will mention three other battles that took place in Europe after that. It gives a little bit of identity to what is some of the stuff that's going on today. But uh, by the way, how many have how many have uh, are familiar with uh, Theodore Roosevelt's book that he wrote in 1916 called "Fear God and Take Your Own Part"? Anybody here? Anybody know about that that book? Nobody in here. Well, you know about it now, and in, my, in the, in the uh, information that I've given out, it's, it's in there. I just got my book last week 
from him, Theodore Roosevelt, uh, at the time of the First World War, at the time when Woodrow Wilson was a president who was a pacifist, peace at any price. And Theodore Roosevelt, at that time, the Ottoman Empire was massacring Armenians, Christian Armenians. Theodore Roosevelt tried to champion America to go over and help them. They were war-weary. Does that remind us of anything? War-weary. And Woodrow Wilson was a peace at any price president. As a result, one and a half million Armenian Christians were massacred by the Ottoman Empire. 750,000 Syrian Christians were massacred by the Ottoman Empire. While there were people here trying to rally the troops to do something about it, and we didn't. That was 100 years ago. And that was when America was taking a downward spiral spiritually that ended up with the presidency of Carter. But from 1980, we've been coming back the other direction. We're in the third century since America was formed. And in this century, we're going the other direction. I said in this century, we're going the other direction. This book came out, this 1916 book, I've been reading it, I can't already get past, I, it's going to take me forever to read it because I, every, every page is quotable about today, 100 years ago. But now is the time for harvest. Then it was, so fr it was so frustrating to Theodore Roosevelt and the others because things were in a downward spiral. It might look like that to people today because of things that are going on, but I'm just telling you tonight, we're not. Things are, things are on their way upward. And God's looking for some people to believe him and get on, amen, get on the train with him. Amen. In 1565, there was a, I don't remember whether it was Malta or Zenta, I think it was Malta, a ragtag bunch of, uh, the Muslim, a major Muslim army went into, uh, I got the information here, I need to look at it. Um, a guy named, a Muslim guy named Solomon with, with uh, 200 ships and 40,000 regulars went into uh, Malta. Malta had a force of 700 troops and 800 Maltese regulars. And they rose up against this Solomon who was coming and miraculously they defeated them on 9-11, 1565. In 1683, Vienna was surrounded by somewhere between, uh, between 150 and 360,000 Muslims to take Vienna and then go into the rest of Europe. They surrounded the city and were building tunnels under the city. And a baker, being awake at night baking, heard the tunnel and reported it. See, Vienna didn't have any uh, defense. They had to appeal to the king of Poland the King of Poland came down. The King of Poland had, um, I can't remember what he had as far as, a, as troops, but uh, he had, um, had 70,000 troops, and he had a cavalry, cavalry of 40,000. 40,000 mounted soldiers that weren't wearing the Viking, uh, you know, horns or whatever, but wearing huge wings that when they... When the horses were at full gallop, they made a lot of noise. 
And 40,000 of them came thundering down on 360,000 Muslims and they ran like scared rabbits. And they conquered them and they got the spoils. And they found coffee. The Muslims were drinking coffee and they were afraid to take it because it was, they thought maybe it was where the Muslims were getting their evil energy. <laughs> but they took some of it and they gave it to the king of Poland and he tasted it and he said, this might, this, the devil might have made of this, but let's get it sanctified. This is good stuff. So he took, it to the, he took it to the Pope and had him sanctify it and thus we got coffee today. How many are thankful? God, well, hallelujah. And so, uh, so then there was this monk who was in Turkey, you know, and they, in Turkey, they, and they still do make this really thick, dark coffee. And he got a hold of that like I would and said, man, I got to do something about that. And he added some milk and sugar. And his name was Capuchin. Thus we have cappuccino. <laughs> the last one is just as good. The baker, they wanted to reward the baker because he discovered him. He said, I'm not interested in any reward, but I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna to bake a pastry in commemoration of this victory. And he baked, a, he baked a pastry in the shape of the Islamic crescent. Thus we have the croissant. So every morning that I have a croissant, I'm taking a bite out of Islam. <laughs> but that victory was on 9-11, 1683. In, 16, in uh, 1697, in Zenta, again, the Ottoman Empire rose up and was going to overtake Zenta. And an inferior force rose up See, and even an inferior force rose up and God was on their side. We're not talking about a bunch of righteous holy rollers or something. We're talking about people that just rose up and, and decided that they were going to fight an evil force and God got along their side and miraculously delivered them on 9-11-1697. Now, I always wondered why Muslims have such a penchant for 9-11, but see, Muslims, unlike Christians, know their history. And they're trying to redeem themselves. We know that they're trying to get back to their glory days. And they want to overcome those defeats. That's what 9-11 was. In my view, I've never heard anybody say that, but as I discovered this, I thought, well, there's no wonder why they, why they got this 9-11 on their calendar. But my father is bigger than all of that. And, my, and the point of this is that every time there was a force that, would, that was raised up to do something about it, God came on their side. Amen? So keep that in mind when you vote. Keep that in mind when you talk to people about these wars that are going on. Keep that in mind when you're talking to people who are pacifists. Keep that in mind when you're talking to people who think that we're, we're just this evil nation just wants to go to war. Just in, in this, uh, what do they call it? The, the uh, uh, military-industrial complex. This is all just a plot in the world. This is, it has nothing to do with anything. Oh yeah, it has something to do with something. Amen? America has been raised up to provide freedom. Hallelujah. So I hope that encourages. And the last thing is this. And I also even passed by this in the beginning. And that is that, what do we do? Or the execution of this strategy. How do we get the strategy and how do we execute the strategy? What do you do when you have opportunity to meet a Muslim on the street? Or if you do have the opportunity. Or what kind of thoughts do you have about how do, how do we go into, the, into a Muslim community here and bring them the love of God? They're not going to be one. We're not going to win them by the sword. The sword is meant to destroy what the evil things that 
that the radicals do. Come on, and bring freedom. What the church, we as a church, the battles of our, our battle is in the spirit, in the realm of the spirit, to bring down principalities and powers. It's important that we recognize that Islam was born of a demonic spirit, and it's our responsibility and pleasure, amen, to come into agreement and bring those spirits down. In Psalms 149, it says, This honor have all the saints to execute his judgments in the earth. God speaks. By the breath of his mouth, he destroys the evil one. Guess who it comes through? You and me. It's not some wind that comes down from space or somewhere. It is God's breath that comes through you and I that destroys the evil one. And you and I know that Ephesians 3 talks about the fact that the, that the wisdom that has been hidden from the ages is now being revealed through the church in order to bring down principalities and powers into heavenly places. Right now we're talking about the principality and the power of the Islamic spirit. It needs to be brought down in the spirit. And so there needs to, there already is, thank God, and again, this is the time, he has already put his sickle in to the harvest. There right now today, as we speak, as we speak, thousands and thousands, and you've heard, you've heard reports, thousands of Muslims are coming to Jesus all the time, sweeping across Africa, the first place that they overcame. Now, our Heavenly Father is overcoming in Africa. So much so that Muslim critics who are aware of it more than we are, are alarmed. Because our Father is on the throne. He's doing some stuff. Amen? Another book that I would like you to consider is a book called A Wind Through the House of Islam. <clears throat> it's written by a guy named Dr. Gar- Dr. David, Gar- David Garrison. And he, <clears throat> he spent over a decade moving around through the Middle East in what he called the Nine Houses of Islam. Trying to investigate whether there had been any Christian movements from the time that Islam got to Christian movements in the in the, the Islamic world since it was founded. And he created a criteria that he called a movement. His, his, his uh, paradigm was that if there, were, if there was record, if he could find a hundred churches started somewhere in the Islamic world in a particular year, that was a movement. Or if a thousand people were baptized, he called that a movement. And he discovered until, that until 1960, there were zero. Nothing that he found would, could be identified uh, as, as a movement. But in, in the 1960s, you probably heard about uh, the book written in the 70s by Mel Tari called Like a Mighty Wind. How many, how many know about that book? I met Mel Tari a couple of years ago. I thought he was a lot older than me. He's younger than I am. Good grief. I've been teaching Bible school in Indonesia for the last five years, and Bible students there from all the different, one of the, so many of the different 17,000 islands that are in, in uh, Indonesia, and I couldn't understand that none of them had come from Muslim backgrounds. None of those students came from Muslim backgrounds until the last year that we were there, and then there were three or four from the island of Sumatra that had been converted from Islam. And I, and I discovered that they're the offspring of that move of God that was in Indonesia. There were, it, it, in the 60s, there, were, uh, there was a movement in Indonesia where two and a half million people came to Jesus in Indonesia. 
And so, another one in somewhere in Africa that I don't remember, major move of God. And I want you to hear this because it will, if it doesn't encourage you, you can't be. Because from 1960 until the year 2000, there were 15 more movements that fit that category. From 2000 to 2012, there were 69 more. 84 movements that were in that criteria from 1960 and 2012. I have no idea what's taking place from 2012, but I know it has exponentially increased. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that we should desire to be a part of that. It isn't something that we're going to start, is what I'm saying. It's already going. Amen. God just wants to get us to get on the bandwagon, so to speak, and become a part of it. Hallelujah. I, t- I told you tonight, you can't go away from here tonight like you came. Because the, when you're reading the newspaper and you see the things and you see, and, you, and, you, and we come to things, through things that are very discouraging, amen, the Spirit of the Lord is going to rise up within you and say, yeah, but my father's doing some stuff. I don't, you know, and we're not, we're not getting it reported. You know, you'd have to have a steady flow of people from these different places to, to, to share what's going on in those places to really know what's going on. Amen. But whether we know about it or whether we don't know about it, God is at work and he's finding people that are resources that are ready to be tapped to move into this place to be a part of what he's doing. A, a, a pastor gave me a book a few months ago of personal accounts throughout Africa of God meeting people in supernatural ways. Now we've all heard about dreams and visions and Filipinos are being used in in the Islamic world in all kinds of ways. The maids, little Filipino maids going into a sultan's house or whatever and praying for their kitty gets healed and gets the family saved. It's happening, it has been, that's been going on for a long time. Amen. But now there's an exponential increase and not only that, can you imagine there's reports, I know you can imagine this, do you think the book of Acts it's an amazing thing. There's stuff happening in Africa that would pale almost what you could think. I mean, people walking down roads, the Spirit of the Lord comes to them and says, go and meet such and such over here in this 10 miles away or whatever, and then they meet somebody. Super, just supernatural movings of the Holy Ghost happening all over Africa and the Middle East. I was in, as I said, the United Arab Emirates in the year 2002, just after 9-11, I listened to a Muslim cleric preach on the, on the television one day, and he was speaking in English so I could understand what he was saying, and he was encouraging his fellow Muslims that they put Jesus in a higher place than we Christians, you know, and he was preaching all this stuff, and as I heard him, and by the way, the, I was there ministering in a Filipino church, a church of about 400, and uh, a Palestinian man who had been converted, who couldn't expose himself to his family, was the biggest evangelist, evangelist that, the, that the Filipinos had. He was bringing people to church all the time. And I recognized that as I listened to cler- that, that cleric, this verse came to me about the Jews in Jesus' time. Many believed in him, but they didn't follow him for fear of being put out of the synagogues. There are multitudes of believers in the Middle East that because of that wall of fear aren't following him yet. Hallelujah. But the penetration of Jesus is in their spirit. Hallelujah. Physical freedom is going to come to them. But I just wanted to, in, to share with you tonight, starting from the beginning, to recognize that this isn't something that God is going to get started. He's doing it. He's doing it. He's doing it in a big way. And now, 
In my view, I've been saying this for years, Muslims are strategizing to send their people here, to take over here. But in my view, God's sending them here to penetrate them. Several years ago, down my, my youngest son lives in Corona, there was a Muslim family up the block. It wasn't long before they had a mosque. Out from that mosque came the San Bernardino killers. Just in these last few years, it's happening. That's the negative side of this. But where's the church in this? Where's the church been? Where's the penetration into these Muslim neighborhoods? Why can't we get a strategy of how to go in there and win them? Why can't, why can't we get together with Jesus and find a way, amen, to talk to somebody? It is the love of God that brings men to repentance. We know that. The reason, by the way, and I, and, and I, and I, I am going to conclude with this, but you know, uh, the reason I'm here tonight is because at the start of this year, in the church that we ministered to in Hawaii, I, spoke, I, pre, I, I taught six weeks in a row on Islam to our small church there. In the first three weeks, they were like looking like a calf, looking at a new gate. They weren't interested at all. But by the last three weeks, they started getting it. I'm talking about just a group of mostly old people and whatever. And I went to the Philippines, our core group of pastors and stuff that we've worked with, and we've worked with ex-Muslims over the years with the people. And I thought, well, I need to... I need to follow up in Las Pinas and, and do something with it. Well, I couldn't, I couldn't get things together in Las Pinas, so I kind of put it on the shelf because over the years as I've gone around, I found out that so many churches weren't interested in this message about Muslims and, you know, see you, Bob, you know, and that kind of a deal. I thought, well, so this is not the time. So then we got down to Bacolod, and I had, I had the Islamic thing on the shelf first place I preached down there afterwards and having lunch and the preacher the pastor started talking pretty soon it got into Islam and on Tuesday we made a decision to have to rent this to rent the meeting room in our hotel and have a seminar on Islam I got a text from Tom that night midnight came into my phone at midnight <laughs> he said brother Bob we need information on how to how to minister to Muslim peeps now I'm going to tell this story now you if it's different you then no say that's not the way it was it was no but uh it, it's, this is the way I remember it, okay? This is the way I remember it. <laughs> I, I talked to him in the morning, and, he, and, uh, and this church has a, we have a feeding program out here. You still do that on Saturdays? And this is the way I remember it. Tommy, he said there was a woman, Muslim woman, and her two kids, two kids, right, that came and were in the feeding program, and then they were here on Sunday morning at church. And you talked with her, right? And you... She, uh, and you knew, if she was from somewhere, you didn't know where she was from. But she was drawn here because of love. Not just the food, yeah, but then that, she felt, she felt something. I said she felt something, and she was here. Two years ago, as we passed through uh, going to Amarillo, we... I've got a friend who's had a 30-year ministry among the Navajos. He'd called me before time and said, well, I want you to come this time and, and talk about Islam. And I thought, Islam to the Navajos? But he said, I've got a man here who had ministry in the Sudan. And I said, I want, you, you want, I want you to minister. I'm going to give you two nights, and I want you to minister alongside of him. Uh, his, his, he was actually from Spokane, but he had been in Sudan in the early 2000s 
Tens of thousands of Sudanese came to Jesus during the time, his time over there, not through him personally, but through the ministry that he was involved with. And, and the Navajos that came, that, those nights were, were really into it. It was a wonderful thing. I found out on that trip that Gallup, New Mexico, has over 40 businesses that are owned by Muslims that were sent there from Syria 30 years ago. Money's been... From Gall- How many have been to Gallup, New Mexico? You wouldn't think there would be a Muslim within a thousand miles of that place. And there was a woman that had been part of Herb's ministry when he was in New Jersey, and she had moved to Virginia, and she came over just a few days before we got there just to help in the, in the ministry. And after the, that last night, we were having coffee over at the pastor's house, and, and she said, you know, I had no idea that this was going to be about Islam. She said, something really interesting happened to me a couple of weeks ago in Virginia before she came. She was in a, I think the first time was in a Home Depot store. And there was a black couple with a couple, with a, one boy, with a boy, boy about five years old or something. And that little boy saw her and ran over to her, ran away from her parents and over to her and wanted her to pick him up. And so she hesitated, they came over and the mother was very confused, and she said, I, I don't understand. And she asked, well, she asked, can I pick her up? Because she was insistent. She, she picked up the little boy, and he, he hugged her, and he just was rubbing all over her. And, and the, the woman said, I don't understand. What, what is it about you? And she said, well, I'm, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a Christian. She said, we're of Islam. And the man came over, and he wasn't nice at all, and he was very angry, and he said, we're of Islam, and he wanted to get his boy down, and they practically had to force him down. She heard him cry and cried the other side of the store. I don't know how long it was later, just maybe a few days, she was in, she was in uh, Walmart, and a, a black woman there with two, two girls, two little girls, the little girls saw her, identical thing. They came running over to her and wanted her to pick him up, pick him up. And the mom came over, unlike that, the other mom, and, but said the same thing. She said, I don't understand it. What is there about you? And she said, well, I'm, I'm a Christian. And this woman said, well, I'm of Islam. And she said, you look so happy. I've never been happy in my life. And so she said to her, well, can I, can I, can I pray with you? And so she, she talked about Jesus to her, and she prayed for her. The tears were running down her face. They exchanged that information. The other girl wanted up and just hugged on her. She was there that she It was after this, the time we were together, and she said, I didn't, I didn't have any understanding about that. I didn't know why that happened. Now, I don't know why it happened either. I do know why it happened, because they were drawn to God's love. My point of that is to make some kind of a finishing touch on this thing, is that Muslims who know nothing but hate are going to be drawn to the love of Jesus. They are, they are being... I should, let, me, I, let me rephrase that. They are being drawn to the love of Jesus. And so... I don't know what all is going to take place after this, but uh, I do know Tom, and I mentioned to Tom, he said, well, I, said, I don't know how many is going to be there and whatever. And I, said, I don't care if there's, t- I don't care how many. But God wants to plant a seed. And if something can be, get together here where, where people can begin to, I know, that, I know that as a church, Tom, you're going to more, more emphasis on to bring this to the Lord in ways, looking for strategy from the Lord. How do we how do we position ourselves in the spirit so that there's an avenue for them to come to? Now, I don't know any 
Christian church that really wants to be infiltrated by Muslims. <laughs> but I do believe, especially in this place, there's a desire to see them come and be changed by the presence of the Lord. Amen. I, I, know, I, know, that's, I know that's the case. Amen. But I, I shared that verse with you to start with saying, God is famous for great and unexpected acts. There's no end to his surprises. It was a surprise when I got that text from Tom that night. And then when we were in Amarillo doing this conference that we did, which was not about Islam. Matter of fact, I didn't even take any stuff with me about Islam because I just had it on the shelf. And a friend of mine from Georgia uh, came over there with eight, brought eight people over from Georgia. And there was a man in Amarillo who has a ministry in Africa called Lost But Not Forgotten. He made some comments and, uh, about his ministry, and then I followed it up. And the man, one of the men who came from uh, Georgia, when he heard that, he said, I know why God sent me. He told me, you know, I want, I'm going to set things up for you in Georgia to talk about Islam. Here was this little redneck community in Georgia, north of Atlanta. And they had me on TV. Uh, they had a little Christian, radio broad, Christian TV broadcast on Saturday morning supposed to be a half an hour broadcast. They changed it to an hour. They were so, I didn't even see a Muslim the whole time I was there. But they had such a curiosity about Muslims and I, I, taught, I taught there and then I taught, I taught uh, four more times. That night, on Saturday night, I was in that church and they had, they had the, the thing that uh, Pastor Tina, where Tina wanted to honor her for her efforts in all of this. Uh, did she put that ad? I think she put an ad in the paper, did you? Or did it ever get in the paper? Yeah, they made up an ad anyhow, and it was, you know, last day's Islamic harvest. They had this brochure on the bulletin board. Someone came off the street when they put it up there, and they saw, and he came in and he saw that poster, and he said, oh my God, I need to give my life to Jesus right now. <laughs> and, and I taught four more times there, and a matter of fact, I sent Tom the CD about this from that last Saturday, Saturday service. While we were there, we've got, we've got ministry planned in Thailand. We're going to fill back to the Philippines in October, and then in November we're going to Thailand to help undergird a church that's getting started there. Just, uh, you know, I, it just, it's, just, it's an amazing story. When I, how it started in the Philippines, and now we're going there, and that little church that we're involved with in the Philippines is taking 14 of their people Jeannie and I are going. Uh, Pastor Tina Worthington's going, and another uh, a gal that's in our ministry. We took a we took a women's team to the Philippines last November. We called it the Deborah Team. I mean, it transformed that city. There's, I mean, there's a, there's a, there was a touch of God in that in that city because of those eight. We took eight American women over there to minister, and I said after that, I'm not taking men anymore, only women. <laughs> it was it was profound, and and so. We've been, I've been finding out along the way about how this was gathering momentum to go to Thailand, and I've never been to Thailand. Thailand's not a Muslim country. They have Muslim problems there, but, but uh, this couple that was there that had come to Amarillo were alongside of us when the pastor brought us up to have him pray over us, and, and, uh, and I didn't realize, but the pastor just believed that this couple was supposed to accompany us on a mission trip sometime, and so they prayed over us, and then afterwards at lunch, Lawrence said... Uh, you know, Pastor Bob, 
Tracy and I have been praying about going to Thailand for five years. Is it all right if we come along? <laughs> I said, so they already have their tickets. They're going to be there. And so we don't know what we're going to encounter there, but God is on the move. And, and I found out that my Filipino pastors that are orchestrating all of this have designed a three-day teaching on Islam while we're there. And so none of, none of that, including this one here, has, is stuff that I had planned, the stuff that the Lord is doing. So it emphasizes to me that this is the time of the harvest and, and a time that God is going to uh, use us in more ways than we have before. So I hope you're encouraged tonight. Uh, this, this could actually be, this obviously could be a, a seminar that would go on for a week because of all the things that are, are there. But I trust that you got a, um, just a, a, a glimpse of a perspective that the Lord has given me and that it will find its way inside of your spirit. And consider this, that when God speaks, when God speaks, an irreversible force gets put into motion that nothing can stop. All he needs is someone to speak it through. And so as Pastor said tonight, not one single one of us is insignificant. Every one of us is a resource. Every one of us can receive the flow of God's Spirit and a word from Him that will set things in motion. You know that we're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Amen? And when His Word comes to us to initiate, something new can be birthed that never existed before. I'm praying for the seed of this, of what I'm talking about tonight, to find its way into some that will find their way into the presence of the Lord to receive strategy of absolutely standing in the way of the Muslim wall that would try, desire to come into this area and take over. And it will not do it because God's people are going to rise. Amen? And I hope you're encouraged by the reality that it is the love of God that brings men to repentance and women, of course, by the way. So can we just stand this morning? This, evening, this is this morning? Well, it's morning somewhere. I think it's morning in the Philippines. Uh, but... Um, As we said in the beginning, you know, uh, if we don't meditate on God's Word or what we've heard, you know, it'll just, it'll just go away. But if you meditate on these things, and, and I know that one of the things that will happen because of God's sickle being in this harvest and because of it being before us, whether it's on the news, it's a newspaper, whether you see Muslims on the street. I think that when you see a Muslim walking down the street, you're going to have something different is going to go on inside. And there's going to be at least a wondering. You know, I wonder, I wonder where they come from. I wonder where they're at. I wonder what's happening with them. And I wonder what we could do. Wonder. Amen? Because he said, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Amen? Knock and keep on knocking. To receive the spiritual ammunition that's necessary to 
for us to join alongside of him. Amen? The book that I mentioned that I hope that you go on and find, I found it on eBay, Fear God and Take Your Own Part. Thomas Rose, uh, Theodore Roosevelt wrote back at that time, the only reason that Africa and Asia is not Christian today is because Christians were trained not to fight. And Muslims and Islam overtook them. We sing songs about the Lord of the Harvest. I don't know if you sing that song, Mighty Warrior. Do you sing that song? Mighty warrior, dressed for battle, holy Lord of all is he, commander-in-chief, bring us to attention, bring to crush the enemy, for he has no authority here in this place. He has no authority here, for this habitation was fashioned for the Lord's presence. God has authority here. How many agree with that tonight? Amen. <laughs> Lift up your hands. We're gonna, we'll sing that song. I mean, I'm just going to ask the Lord to seal it up in us. Mighty warrior, dressed for battle, holy Lord of all is he, commander-in-chief, Bring us to attention, lead us into battle to crush the enemy. For he has no authority here in this place. He has no authority here. For this habitation was fashioned for the Lord's presence. God has authority here. My Father, I thank you for... Pastor Tom and Shelby, the leadership of this church. Pastor Doug and Karen, Steve and Terry, Pastor uh, Tina, all the ones, Lord, that are here, that have made uh, this uh, able to come into being. And Father, I mostly thank you, Father, for the amazing presence of your spirit that I feel in this place as you're touching our lives. And as we go from this place, Father, you are going to open up the eyes of our understanding so that we know what is the hope of your calling, your hope in us, O oh God. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Pastor Tom. Well, I think you ought to give Bob a hand. <laughs> Love you, baby.